you've woke up and you're like, oh my God, I feel amazing. And it's supposed to be a deload week. But for some reason, like everything, you know, you woke up, it's sunny, it's supposed to be cloudy and I don't know. You, know, you get a nice text message, somebody loves you, and you just, you just walk out of the house like, yeah, I want to lift everything. That's when you PR. Definitely go for it that yeah. day. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? I hope everyone had an awesome weekend. I did a really important thing this week that I want to share with all of you. So I went into my closet and I cleared out all of the clothes that don't fit my body as it is right now. And that's including the things that are maybe just a little bit too tight or uncomfortable or that don't fit the same as they used to. I got rid of all of those. A long time ago, I used to hold on to those items of clothing as some convoluted motivation to get myself back down to a size that would fit into them. More recently, I kind of just have held on to them because I think, eh, who knows, like maybe my body will change and get smaller and I'll need these clothes again. But what I realized is that having those things in my house was a subconscious reminder that maybe my body isn't perfect exactly as it is right now. And maybe there's something to be striving for to fit into those clothes, which are vibes that I definitely don't need in my life. Every time that I walk into my closet, I want to be pulling out something and thinking, damn, I'm going to look amazing in this, or I can't wait to put this on my body. I want my clothes to evoke a feeling and I want it to be a positive one. I never want to have that feeling of going into my closet and thinking, ah, shit, I haven't put this on since last year. I wonder if this is going to fit and having to do that dance of like, wriggling into it and then analyzing in the mirror. Does this look different on me this year? Like, I just don't need to be doing that. So I purge my closet. Now every single item in my closet fits me right now. It fits comfortably and I feel amazing in it. Now, of course, my body will change again. And as it does, I will continue to purge out my closet and to make sure that everything in there fits me right now. I'm just not gonna hold on to things that I know aren't serving me anymore. I have to say, when I decided that I was gonna do this, I didn't realize how amazing and how refreshing it was gonna feel, but it feels really good to have only the things, the items that I love in my closet. So I highly recommend that if you haven't done this in a while, if you haven't actually gone through those items of clothing, do it. It also just feels awesome to have a really organized closet after you do all of that and to have a little bit of extra space in there. I don't know, that's something that always makes me really energized. The last thing that I wanna say on this is I've just also been doing a lot of work on detaching from attaching any worth or value to sizes or numbers on clothes. Like what does small mean? What does medium mean? What does large mean? What does a 28 versus a 32 mean like it's all just so arbitrary and I used to assign more value to smaller numbers smaller sizes I was really excited when I fit into smaller numbers 
but I've just really been focusing on remembering that it's not an indication of how good or bad my body is right now, depending on the number. It doesn't assign any value to my body. So when I go into the store and I have to grab a size that's bigger than maybe I'm used to, like who cares? If I'm happy and satisfied and feel good in my body, that actually shouldn't matter at all. It's not an easy thing to do, especially in this culture that we live in surrounding clothes and sizes where we really do teach ourselves as young people, especially from childhood, to pay attention to what size you're in and to go for the smaller ones. But it's really freeing to just be able to go into a store and think, I actually don't give a shit what number or what size of clothes I'm putting on as long as they make me feel really good then that's the thing that I really care about. Anyways, so I really encourage you to go into your closet this week, do that purge, only keep the things that are serving you. You don't need that subconscious reminder in your house that your body isn't perfect exactly the way it is right in this moment. As far as the episode this week, I have a really special guest. I spoke with Aldo Frizione. Hopefully I said that right. I practiced with him beforehand. He is one of the co-owners of Fit Squad, a training facility in downtown Toronto. He's a highly credentialed personal trainer and strength coach with over 10 years of experience in the fitness industry. He's the head coach of Man Training, a strength camp program designed only for men and has established himself as a men's training expert through that. His areas of specialty include strength training, hypertrophy, and body comp. He's taken many certifications in the field. He really knows his stuff. I always learn something from him, whether I'm taking his class or just having a conversation with him in the gym. He just has such a wealth of knowledge. One thing that I've always appreciated about Aldo is that he just tells it like it is. He's not going to sugarcoat anything for you, but it's a really amazing and effective way for him to deliver information and tell you what you really need to know. We talked about a ton of great stuff about training in this episode. It was also really fun to hear about Aldo's story because his childhood was really fascinating and definitely unconventional for most people living in Toronto. I hope you enjoy this episode with Aldo Frizione. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on and talk to you. Oh, I love talking, so. So this will be an easy interview for me. Hopefully. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Central America, Nicaragua. Um, Before that, though, I moved around quite a bit with my my mother. Mm -hmm. So I lived in Indonesia for a bit in Asia. And uh, How old were you when you were in Indonesia? I was five years old. Do you remember it? I remember it very vividly. I don't remember the language, but there's quite a few things that I still remember like crystal clear. Like I was, I think I was a Muslim because I remember waking up with all the maids that used to pray with the sunrise in the middle of the day. And because my mom was at work and I would be with them, I would pray with them. Wow. So I had like the, you know, with the whole, I can, I don't know what the things are called, but I had like my own pillow thing, which I would lie on with the saran and then the hat. And it was all those things. So my grandmother wasn't very happy about that when I went back to Nicaragua. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I need to pray. And then she found out what I was doing. And she she, had a, she lost her, her mind. She but, set you straight? <laughs> yeah, a Catholic country in Nicaragua, being mm-hmm. anything but like devoted Catholic is, is not an option. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, she wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. So when did you go back to Nicaragua? Um, around two or three, I lived in New Orleans just with my mother before my sister was born. 
Then from that, went back to Nicaragua, from Nicaragua to Indonesia, Indonesia, back to Nicaragua. And when the communism was like at a, at a peak, uh, just when I was about to be a teenager, that's when they, my mom like kind of like tried to sneak me out of the country so I wouldn't be uh, enrolled in the military and whatever. So I went back to the States at that point. Junior high, so grade six or seven, I was in New Orleans, was getting in trouble there in school by association because it was very segregated. I don't know. Uh, what part of the States are you from? I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati? originally. Okay, so a little bit different than the South. So the yeah. South uh, at that time, early 90s, very segregated. So black kids over there, white kids over there, Hispanic kids over here. So if the Hispanic kids had a problem with the black kids, I was involved just by proxy, right? Like not that I had an issue, but we're fighting them. They're fighting us. We're fighting the white kids. At that point, my mom had moved to Montreal. She was trying to decide whether she wanted to be in the States or Canada. So they sent me over there, and here I am now. <laughs> so much moving around. Uh, yeah, quite how a bit. Do, how do you think that shaped who you are today? Um, I think it gives me different perspective on things. I mean, I come from a wealthy family in Nicaragua, so it's quite different than like maybe what some people think immigrants are like. A lot of people think that immigrants are poor in their country, and some people leave because of political reasons or, or whatnot. So I remember like when I first got to the States where I thought it was supposed it was sold to me as like, you know, this beautiful country. I thought there was like I thought the the streets were white for some reason. Oh wow. And all this <laughs> stuff. And I get to New Orleans and I went from having my own room with a washroom back home to now I share a bedroom with my cousin. Wow. And there was only three bedrooms in the house. I got up in the morning, my grandmother was making breakfast, not the maid. So I was kind of a little confused as to how is this a better life? Mm-hmm. Uh, until I went to McDonald's, and then I was like, okay, I see what's Stop going on. <laughs> I see what's going on here. I'm like, this is way better. You know, so I think it gives me appreciation for, uh, for some things. Mm-hmm. Even though I technically have lived more in North America, now I still feel a big attachment to that. Mm-hmm. I always consider myself still very much from Central America, even though I've lived most of my life, teenage years, adulthood, now into like, whatever you want to call your 40s, <laughs> in North America, but I still don't feel like I'm from here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very weird. You go back often? Not really. Not really at all. I went back maybe 10 years ago, and that was just like I was in Costa Rica, and we just kind of like crossed the border for like a night and then went back to Costa Rica. Uh, mostly because I just didn't want to have to go see all my family that's down there. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the like, obligations. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, then I'm like, I'm here with my friends. We're partying, but if I... If they know I'm here, then I'm going to have to go say hi to everyone, go to church, and things like that. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll probably go back at some point, but it's almost that, I don't know. There's something scary about going back. That I don't know if I'm going to find something amazing. I'm going to get them. Like, oh, my God, we're, they're doing so much better. Everything is is cool. Or it's going to be a, a disappointment. And if I don't it's know. so different. Yeah, yeah so, so I'm like a little, I don't know, there's like a little fear there if you will mm-hmm. you know but people who know you might be surprised to hear that you went to an art school yes 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 how yes. did you end up in an art school and so, what was that experience like <laughs> my mom my mom is is like that like you know 70s like hippie that that's her you know like reiki master when it was not cool back in the day like you know trying to read your aura and and whatnot and I guess she always had this thing that she thought my sister and I were artistic. I, I don't have anything artistic about me. So when they moved to Montreal, my sister wanted to go to an art school. So when I was sent to Montreal from New Orleans, 
Um, that was the school that my sister was going to. My mom loved it, and she thought it would be good for me. Uh, did you have to do pick, like, a major or a specialty or anything? Well, what the did cool you do? thing about this art school was that all the arts were also mandatory, so they were not, like, elective. So you didn't, have, you didn't choose. We had to do drama, instrumental, arts, um, vocal. So all these things were part of their curriculum, and you had to pass these classes. Otherwise, you wouldn't move on to the next grade. Mm-hmm. One of the good things about this art school is that they realized that not everybody is going to end up making money as an artist. So the math and science program, we had to take the highest math and the highest science as well. So we have like an opportunity when we uh, finish school. What I did like, because after doing a couple of years of school in the States, was it was 23 girls and five guys in yeah. the class. <laughs> Good so, ratio for you. Yeah, no, it was, it was perfect. So when people talk about like, oh, high school is so stressful and like bullying, I'm like, high school is great. I was hanging out with girls the whole yes. time. I mean, <laughs> like it was like that perfect ratio. Uh-huh. 23 to 5, um, that does make me feel more comfortable around girls than I do around men, which is funny because I teach an all-men's camp. But if I had a choice, I would rather hang out with uh, with all girls. I couldn't think of something worse to do, like hang out with a bunch of guys and have guys' night. That sounds horrible to me. Interesting. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't sound fun. It doesn't come naturally no. to you. No, yeah. no, no, no. You know, you know my business partner, uh, Gabe. We went to high school together. That's mm-hmm. why I met him. So he has the same thing. Like, you know, if we go somewhere, he would much rather be in a group of girls, small group, than like a group of like four guys. He has no interest in that. When did you know that fitness was going to be your career? How did you end up getting into fitness? Mm. I ended up getting into fitness almost by, by, not by accident, but it was that time where I was getting changed for a basketball practice. My friend Sifiso, African descent, was getting changed right next to me. Next day, all the girls were talking about Sifiso's shoulders and his back and how wide it was, and nobody made a comment about me whatsoever. So I'm like, I need to work out. I just, I just knew that much. So when I was able to hustle away out of a, for a free membership at the YMCA, walked in, found the biggest black guy, and asked him, how did you get those shoulders? <laughs> and I just started training, and, and three months later, when I went to my last year of uh, high school, Girl walked up to me, grabbed my shoulder and squeezed it and was like, have you been working out? And that feeling, I'm like, yes. Validated. And validated. And I, and, I, and I love the fact that I saw a fault and I was able to fix it, if you will. And there was like, I, if I went and I was working out and I was doing my work, I got the benefits of it. And nobody could take that away from me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think moving forward, I've always been that, that I'm like, wow, like it's literally always the same. If you put in the effort and you stay consistent, you'll seek the rewards. And there's very few things that can come in, like get in the way, as opposed to like, let's say um, business, you could be doing everything right, but other outside circumstances can dictate what would happen. I remember uh, September 9-11, my, my friend Ritesh, I think it's like one of the smartest guys ever. And I'm like, my God, he's gonna be so successful. Um, he had just graduated from McGill University with an engineering degree. He had his offer at Ernst & Young. He was gonna start making like starting like at 75,000. And then 9-11 happened and couldn't get a job for three years. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, and I was like, wow, that's, like, that's so weird because I always envied how structured he was in school and, like, top of this, top of that. And this was completely out of a circumstance. That's one of the things that I'm like that I, I, I like about physical training, that you're, you're in control of that. And if it's not happening, you know, like, it's, it's more on you than anything else. I, I just love that. 
The power is in your own hands. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, like what you put in, you're gonna put, uh, you're gonna take out. And to this case, even when I'm like, you know, feeling, ah, I'm not quite strong as I want to be, or I'm not quite as lean. I'm like, it's on me. I shouldn't have had like eight pieces of Popeye's chicken last night. You know, it's like, I'm like, when you find that, I'm like, it's really on me. Like, if I was better, like, things would be better. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I like that aspect, especially nowadays. There's just so much going on, so many outside things. We have very few things that we can kind of control. Mm. Especially so. in business. That's a great point. You could be an outstanding trainer with the most amount of knowledge, and you're just going to get destroyed by somebody who just, I don't know, happened to be maybe cuter than you and, and looks better on camera or I don't know, or just has a little more personality mm-hmm. and you're going to get destroyed. Nobody. And they become the, uh, the authority, right? So now you have mm-hmm. that choice. So what do I do? Do I stick to my side? Do I try to go that way? Or how do I find out what's that happy medium between what people want to see and what you want to put out? Totally. How much do you compromise? Totally. That is such an interesting dance, isn't it? Oh. Especially with social media now. It's like there's one persona you can take on as a trainer and as a person in the fitness industry yeah. of I'm going to be flashy. I'm going to, you know, try to market myself, do all the fun videos. You know, I'm not going to wear very many clothes. And I'm yeah. going to post all these pictures that are, I looked ripped. And then there's another persona where it's like, you're true to your principles and you know that's, what works with people and it's you in the gym with clients actually doing this stuff. That's right. And yeah. they're two, they can be two completely different things. And, they can and, be great at one and terrible at the other or vice versa. Well, they don't and, necessarily and, go and together. And that's the thing. And, and, and unfortunately for training, like the simplest, most boring thing is what usually gets the job done and what works for most people. That like is nobody, so true. Nobody needs yeah. to do a clap push-up. <laughs> it's cool, but nobody has ever gotten fit by doing a clap push-up. These guys are already fit and they can do clap push-ups. Mm-hmm. But actual training is pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But we're always trying to find that thing, you know, like, I don't know, kettlebells with bands. I'm like, why? The thing that looks like the next big well, thing. Well, because you yeah. have to, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, who wants to hear that? Like, you don't even need to do a back squat. If you just did goblet squats, you'll probably be all right <laughs> for your goals. You would be all right. Yeah. If you want to compete or something, then yeah, you probably need to learn how to use a barbell. But otherwise, you're good. Like, that's all you need. That's true. It'd be pretty boring, though, especially if you've been training for years. Like, yes, you'd be fine, but I think you'd probably just, like, mentally go crazy if you're doing the same shit Well, that's one thing I tell my clients that I'm like, what works is really boring. What we need to find is something between boring Mm -hmm. and what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Your success will be in that middle ground. So one of the main things that I guess I've, I've learned over the last few years is putting my own ego aside. I'm like, I can do this and I can, you know, I know these type of programs and everything. But if you watch me train some of my, some of my clients, especially the older ones that are now, you know, retire and, and, and are dealing with other issues with aging, um, stress and all these things, is adapting to that. So if you look at some of my sessions, you might think, wow, Aldo really doesn't know what he's talking about because it just doesn't look like a conventional training session. So with mm-hmm. some clients, I only have an A, and then I go into some biceps and triceps. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? So, so if, if you looked you, at the, pap- the program on paper, you'd be like, or if you what saw is this me, trainer doing? Like, yeah, oh, exactly. Like, Got he it. is wasting their time. Mm-hmm. He's not going to, you know, but it's understanding what that client needs rather than what's going to make me look like a good trainer. Mm-hmm. You just have to have yeah. faith that I know what I'm doing for my client. Yeah. If somebody saw me from the outside and they haven't talked to me, they're just going to assume that from from a back squat and then we're doing biceps and triceps. Mm-hmm. You know, like how, <laughs> how does that even make sense? But 
for my client it does. Yes. And I don't I understand. It, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, juggling all that. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Aldo as a young trainer. Mm, I want to know what some of the biggest mistakes you made when you were a young trainer, because we all make them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, funny enough, one of the biggest mistakes was the, the first course that I took as a trainer was um, RTS, Resistant Trainer Specialist. And it was probably, I would say, about like five years ahead of what I should have taken. All this information was great. I just had really no idea what to do with it. I went to Extreme Fitness, was the first place where I got a job, and literally the guy just calls me and goes, hey, I have a client for you. And I show up and I'm like, okay. But I've never, I figured, I'm like, wait a minute, I actually don't know how to train people. I've never trained, so I've told people what to do, you know, yeah, do some push-ups and everything, but all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know, I haven't been taught this. Mm-hmm. I know how to do this exercise, that exercise, but I've never been taught programming or anything like that. So I had my first training session. Uh, I sat this woman down on a chair and I trained her only with my hands. If I look at it now, I'm like, why am I not doing that now? I don't know because now I actually know what I'm doing. (laughs) But back then I was just applying like anti-rotation and anti-lateral flexion. I was doing leg curls with her, but I was just using my hands. Like I didn't put her in a machine. What compelled you to do that? It's actually super interesting. It's, it's so unconventional. It is very, well, it's kind of like the their idea is that our hands are our best tools, right? And when you're dealing with a beginner client, you can't, if I stick you in a machine, I can't feel what you're feeling. And if the client is, you know, hasn't been training, they also don't know what they're supposed to be feeling or not if they're going too hard or too, or too little. By me using my hands, I don't have to ask him or her anything if this is too much or too little because I can actually feel it and apply the right amount of like pressure if you will or load them up correctly mm-hmm. it's just very labor intensive and I know that I wasn't probably doing it right mm-hmm. it, like in theory I was very much ahead of my times but meanwhile my first session was like this lady just sat down on a bench and I just try to turn her and flip her that is so interesting <laughs> <laughs> you still use some of those techniques though when, I, we, when yeah. we came and took a class with you the other day you That's were right. applying pressure in different spots as we were doing goblet squats yeah and yeah. yeah it's really interesting yeah so they, they've stuck with me I just at that time is I think it happens a lot right now when we're trying to differentiate ourselves as trainers there's too many people that are just too bad va- they try to cover too much ground like try to specialize on one thing and and be really good at that and, and again, we don't need much. Like, I don't know why, you know, you have a guy who's your mobility guy, your strength guy, your nutritionist, and your like mental health coach. I'm like, they're 22, you know, <laughs> how can this person be all this? There's people that go to university for these things. Yeah, I made quite a few mistakes. I mean, especially with my, with my bigger clients, people are a little bit overweight. I think like, you know, making them do things like burpees and things like that, just cause I don't know, I have to kill them. Right. That was, you know, like that's how you take care of a fat loss client. You kill them. Mm. You just beat the hell out of them, which doesn't take much. You know, now I have a very different uh, approach towards that. And, you know, I'm like, well, the workout's the workout. What we got to deal with, uh, it's nutrition and probably and your feelings, which is probably the main, uh, the main thing that will a fat loss client have to deal with, the emotions and feelings. That's, that's an saying. interesting perspective. Yeah. Everything else. You know, like how they act towards the, the gym, how they act towards food, how they act towards uh, day-to-day life, all that will be determined by their, by their emotions. So if you don't get to that, then everything else is not going to quite work out because you can have the most, you know, the most beautiful nutrition plan and lay out their macros and all that. But if their emotions are not speaking to that, they're not going to be able to do it. Yeah, that's so true. For yeah. a lot of people, this whole 
training and fitness journey can yeah. be very emotional because yeah. I think there are a lot of uncertainties and insecurities that people have yeah. wrapped up in it. And then when you address something that maybe is a weakness of yours, all of those things bubble to the surface, right? So it can be really challenging. I have noticed, though, your style when you de- – I'm sure people can already hear it, but your style when you deliver fitness information yeah. is very – it's very black and white. It's right. all the emotion and all the bullshit is stripped away from it. You yeah. dial it down to the bones and just deliver the facts, yeah. sort of void of the emotion. Where do you think that comes from? I'm not sure, to be honest, because I – you know, people don't believe this. But I, I am a bit shy. And I'd rather no way. I ra- I would rather stay home than than go to a party. For example, are you an introvert? A little bit. Huh. If you ask me, what do I want to do on a Friday night? Do I want to stay home and and just like watch some TV and whatever, or do I want to go to this party and you know meet a whole bunch of people? I would probably rather stay home. If I went to the party, I would be just fine. You would think like, oh my god, like this guy couldn't wait to be here because then I'll tap into that persona that mm-hmm. I need to be for that social setting, mm-hmm. right? I don't know where that straightforwardness comes from. I, it comes out quite a bit when I'm teaching when I'm um, teaching the guys. You know, men are just not as smart, period. <laughs> <laughs> you know, four sets of 12, and they look at me, and they're like, okay. And then they are about to do, like, how many reps? I'm like, 12. <laughs> like, it's just everything you have to say, like, three or four times. Yeah. So I guess I've always been, I, and I'm... I've always been a little bit more straightforward with them. So when it comes to fitness, I just found that training mostly guys, they absorb it better when it's just straightforward. You know, like, why am I losing weight? You drink too much. No sugarcoating. Yeah, it just like, I, you know, it just just seems like all that doesn't really work. You have to be really good at finding the balance and knowing who you're talking to and how much of straightforwardness you can be. Mm -hmm. The more I like you, the more it's going to seem like I don't like you because I won't sugarcoat it at all. And I'll just tell you straight up my opinion. And those are the guys that think, oh, you hate me. And I'm like, no, I really like you. I, I care that much. I care so much that it makes me upset that you're not listening to me or that you're thinking that you're actually working towards this when you're not really. The problem is when you're lying to yourself, saying like, oh, I'm just working towards fat loss and it's just not working. Poor me. I'm like, no, you're not. Just say you're not. You're, you're gonna, that, that body fat is fine. Don't stress yourself out again with failing. Mm-hmm. Right? People need to win. Another thing that I've been focusing on lately is uh, my clients have to leave that every session feeling like they won at something. I don't care if it's a tricep pump or bicep or like as as little as that. So that's why I don't like the idea of like absolutely destroying somebody for fat loss. That person needs to feel like every time they're coming in, they're just chipping away and winning, Mm -hmm. right? Leaving your client with that sensation that every session they, uh, they won is very important for their mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, with guys, yeah, kill some arms and they leave happy. Yeah. And you see them in the mirror <laughs> and they're like checking themselves out and, you know, like, he's happy. Yeah. You'll go home thinking, yeah, well, I can't wait to my next workout. And then I consider that like, okay, we're in the right path. Right. You right. Know? You yeah. have to want to come back. You can't be dreading your next workout or else it's not going to well, be that's, sustainable. Well, that's, that's like when people ask me like, oh, how do you stay motivated and everything? I'm like, oh, I, I just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it and I'm addicted to the emotions that I get after a workout. I don't like working out, I, I, but I, I'm addicted to the feeling of working out. Mm. The actual workout sucks, right? but it's that feeling of it and then the byproduct of that. What is that feeling that you walk away from a workout with? It's the ability to do something 
that, you know, not a lot of people can do or that it would be considered very tough. It's not training. Most of the stuff that I put, I post very little training because training, again, it's just doing the same thing over. And I'll tend to post like things. I don't call it challenges because I'm not challenging anybody. I'm just literally saying, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. I like to PR at things that I don't train for. If that makes sense. I was talking to my totally. coach, Freya, yeah. you know, Freya. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, listen, every now and then uh, I do things that like are outside of the program. And it's just like, I wonder if I can do that. A me against me kind of thing. And there, I haven't been prepping for this. Am I resilient enough that I can pull that off just because? What's the craziest training regimen that you ever put yourself through? Ooh. I just have a feeling that you might have like an insane story of oh, man. something, some kind of crazy workout that you decided to do. Probably the most ridiculous thing that I did last year. When I look at it, I'm like, I don't even know why I would try this. It was, uh, I think so I walked in and Satish was doing like, I, I believe, 40 kg snatches. And I don't think I've ever snatched anything above a 24, <laughs> right? Because it was strong first, you need 24. So why would I, like, it's not something that ever occurred to me. How heavy could I possibly snatch? And there's Satish, you know, it's like, oh, I just snatched the 40. And I'm like, is that a thing? I'm like, do people even try that? But it tapped into that. I'm like, I don't think I've ever snatched anything above a 24. So here I went and the video is there. And I was going to delete it at one point. And I'm like, nah, it's there. And it's, it's the most horrific thing. I, did, I got like 10, 10 of them. Wow. I should have died on every single one, though. Like, every single one is questionable of, like, how are you still alive? Because <laughs> it was, like, it's horrific. Yeah. Horrific. Like, just pulling with everything I got in my body. And when that thing hits at the top, it's I'm at its mercy, basically. Yeah. But you got through them. I'm very good at gauging what are my thresholds. Especially now that I'm, like, over my 30s. I train more frequently than I do intensity. So frequent over intensity just works better for me. I can't handle just like a leg day where I'm doing 12 different exercises for for legs. I just won't recover from that. How often do you hit big muscle groups? Uh, every time I work out. So you do full body workouts Pretty much. every time. How so, how many workouts a week? Uh, four to five. Mm-hmm. Four to five. And there will be one main lift that will be a big compound movement, my strength movement. And then everything else will be... Uh, accessory for that, but in the, in the they tend to be more on the uh, full body uh, spectrum. How would you describe yourself as a trainer now? Yeah. What are your biggest values as a trainer and a coach? Mm. I think the biggest value that I, that I have nowadays, and it, it sounds like, you know, like that old guy talking, the experience that I have dealing with different people throughout the years. So not that I'm better than anybody else. I just got that many more years and hours of watching reps and dealing with people. Why am I an expert at this? Well, I don't know, because I've taken clients from their early 40s and I am taking them into their mid-50s. Emotional things that they're dealing with now as they're aging or circumstances have changed in their life, uh, in their health. So going from clients that previously were going to powerlifting shows and they were competing, so now I'm just we're just trying to manage training and their emotional health. I've gotten good at like when my clients walk in again. I've known them for so long. Just by walking in and their demeanor, I can tell what kind of night they had the night before, how much sleep they got, where are they, uh, are they are neurologically almost tapped already before even walking in. Clients that have like a 45 minute 
warm up before their training sessions. Some clients I don't uh, warm up at all because they're already so jacked up. That is the biggest thing that I feel like I can provide now that another trainer wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Right. Besides, and, and that just comes with like uh, just just being on the gym floor. You can't really learn that. That's just by me doing it. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm just I've been doing it longer. And your observance. And I think you're probably good at seeing patterns in people, like typing people, right? When they walk in, you're like, so, I've seen this before. Like, yeah, I know Exactly. This There's a lot of, and with the consultations that I do. I know a lot of people don't like this. I took the uh, Christian Thibodeau's uh, neurotyping. You know, a lot of it is just like maybe a little bit of pseudoscience or whatever. But I do find a lot of value in it. Understanding myself a little bit better helps me deal with people. Can you tell me a little bit about that course? Yeah. What's just the concept behind it? Uh, the concept type is that depending on the person's neurotype, they should be training in a certain way. So not everybody responds to the same stimulus the same way. Some people need to be high intensity all the time. They're very, they need to be very competitive. They need to be number one. So some sports are better for that. So if somebody that's like, let's say, a type 1A, where they're like, me, 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 that person probably wouldn't be a good team player. Hmm. So it's about them all the time. I'm a type 2A, which makes, and, and it makes sense in my training. My uh, We're kind of like, we like everything, we're good at everything, but we can't do one thing for very long. We get bored. So things have to constantly change. And it's 100% true. I couldn't just do, or even when I do, I'm doing strongman, there's still some kettlebell and animal flow in it. If I'm doing bodybuilding, then there is even like some mace throwing in there. I'm okay at a lot of things, but I'm not really good at anything. I'm not really that strong, but I'm strong for a guy my size who does this for a little bit. I'm not really super good at flows, but not bad. We have very low self-esteem, which makes us good with people because I need to figure out what you like so I can hmm. get you to like me. Would you call? Would you say that you have low self-esteem? Um, I would say so because I have a need to for people to like me. Hmm. You're a so people pleaser. We're a people pleaser. We're chameleons. Um, we'll do so. We we're very good at looking at a person and trying to find. What is it about that person that's going to make them like me? 17 people in a room, that's exhausting because I'm going to have to try to make sure like somehow everybody likes me. So I come across as very loud, funny, or obnoxious because I'm just trying to like, hey, I'm here, guys. You guys you guys like me, right? Like, I'm cool? Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, but I would rather stay home because I don't have to deal with that. I've gotten good at kind of detecting, oh, okay, you know what? With this person, I need to joke around like this or whatever. With this guy, it's more like on this end. The training also, that's helped quite a bit. More understanding on the people just coming in mentally stressed to the max. So the last thing you should do is give them something that's very stressful on top of that. Like one of my clients coming in, he's already stressed out. And like, okay, we have a three rep max to work up today. Come on, man. That's supposed to be 400 pounds. What's mm -hmm. going on? Yeah. I'm killing him. There's no way. I'm killing him. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about training for hypertrophy versus yeah. strength. Yeah. So some people train for hypertrophy, which yeah. is making your muscles bigger big and then other people train for strength those things don't have to be mutually exclusive yeah. but there are different methods that you use for each 100%. could you tell us about those yeah one of the things if i could go back to when i started training i started training for hypertrophy right away because that was my main goal i need to get bigger right now i'm 127 pounds nobody's looking at me without a shirt so i went straight into um into hypertrophy 
strength has to come first, depending on what your baseline or, or where you're at. Some people are just generally stronger than others. Uh, one of my friends, like, you know, these Serbian guys, and like, they're just strong no matter what they do. Like, they can do ring, iron, cross, and they've never trained them. You know, they're just strong beings, so they can go straight into a hypertrophy phase, and it will be completely fine because they can lift a certain amount of load to create a certain amount of stimulus. But some people are very weak, so they have to go through a strength phase regardless of what their end goal is. There's benefits to both. I think beginners need to be kind of like in between the two. They can't quite get loaded up heavy, but they also need a little bit of feedback from a little bit of load. So almost like that six to eight rep range works really well because you get to apply a little bit of load. They're not doing tons of volume, so it allows the tissue to adaptate better than if you're just hammering somebody with 15 reps. Oh, you're a beginner, 15, 20 reps, go. And they're limping for days, and they, you know, people associate limping for days as like, a good thing. Right. Yeah. That's everyone's goal when they yeah, walk I can, to the gym, right? I can, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Especially right now, like we just opened up a facility downtown and we're dealing with people's perception of what a good workout is. And unfortunately, we have places like Barry's Boot Camp and there is just like, you know, kill, 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 kill. And that's what the people go for. But they're a big authority in terms of like they have a loud voice. So that's people's perception of, oh, I got a great workout. I was destroyed and I sweated everything out of my body. I consider that. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you sweated, but I don't, I don't think that's a good workout. For me, a good workout is, oh, I lifted pretty heavy and uh, I was ready to go the next day. Mm-hmm. I could get another good workout. I didn't need three days to recover from that. Is that the mark of a good workout for you, if you can recover from it? Yes. By the next day or maybe two days? Yeah. A good workout for me is I lift it heavy, my movement patterns stay sound, and the next day, I'm good. So that means I was at the sweet spot of, like, I didn't go too far. There should be no reason why I'm out of commission the next day. If you're not recovering for the next day, you're going a little bit too hard. Dial back a little bit, and then you can do more often. So recovery is one of the things that people, like, underestimate uh, quite a bit. Strength guys do it a little bit better because they don't go super high volume, right? And some of their programs, oh, I, want, I need to squat three, four times a week. So they'll, they'll manage that a little bit better than mm-hmm. the hypertrophy guys. Uh, hypertrophy is just tear up the muscle. Just do as much as you can, basically. Pretty right? much, you yeah. know, like you can't go wrong. If you're eating the right amount of calories <laughs> and just go to the gym, yeah, just what should I do for shoulder? I don't know, all of them. <laughs> you know, which one do you like? Do, do a whole bunch of that one until you can't and then pick another one and then do a whole bunch of that one. Like if your nutrition's on point, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Strength, that's a little different. Technique, more neurologically demanding. So there's those aspects of how you're feeling that day. For should sure. You, sh- should you go for a PR today? Should you back off today? Right. Is today a good day? The neurological component to strength is huge. And it's something that a lot of people that haven't really gone into a strength program don't fully understand. But sometimes when I go for a lift, it's not that my muscles are necessarily failing out of it. It's just I'm not like my my brain isn't neurologically connected to my body enough. Like I'm not not ramped up enough to be able to do that lift that day. I would say I learned that from um, uh, this powerlifter, Jeremy Hamilton. He owns uh, Fortis West. And he was just doing a, a YouTube thing, and he was mentioning how he doesn't do a program. He has a, a template or something, intentions. Shows up to the gym, and he starts moving, starts benching and whatnot. And how does his body feel that day? Because wow. in his train of thought is a lot of powerlifting pros, are, oh, today is 87.5% of your one rep maximum for eight triples. 
It's so specific. Like, okay, but, you know, yeah. I was watching. <laughs> Who says you can do that yeah, that day? I was yeah. watching Netflix a little too late last mm-hmm. night. Or, you know, you're having some kind of like a family issues, work issues, so you didn't sleep quite that well. Maybe your calories were low the day uh, before. Um, I don't know. It's humid outside. Your bones are not quite feeling the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's so many factors that could affect that, that. That might just not be a good day. And it, because it's on your training program, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Or the opposite. You've woke up and you're like, oh, my God, I feel amazing. And it's supposed to be a deload week. But for some reason, like everything, you know, you woke up, it's sunny. It's supposed to be cloudy. And I don't know. You, know, you get a nice text message. Somebody loves you. <laughs> And you just, you just walk out of the house like, yeah, I want to lift everything. That's when you PR. Definitely go for it that yeah. day. So, you know, it like, and, and that's one of the things that people should, uh, again, how you're feeling and don't make your training so so rigid with the training plan. Mm-hmm. There should be the intention should be behind it. You should know what you have to do, the lifts, uh, range of motion, technique, all that needs to be the same all the time. But not every day can you go and and hit certain things because they're in a piece of paper. There are people that can. I would say if you're like a male, 20 to 25, uh, you're almost indestructible, especially when it comes to something like strength-wise. Right? Why like, is that? Just because your testosterone so high. At testosterone, that point? Yeah. yeah. Just you know, like that's our that's that's that guy that will determine your your strength. Your testosterone levels will get your growth hormones up. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, nobody can beat that. Uh, not too long ago when I was walking to the gym and there was Pedro and Satish and the combination that these guys were doing and like Satish like, oh, you should jump in on this uh, program. And I looked at it, I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> it was just like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. six rep maxes <laughs> on deadlifts paired up with Romanian deadlift with front squat. And there was, they went up to like a E-series. And I'm like, I would Jeez. literally do this workout today. I would be out for two weeks. What it would take me two days before process to be ready for that. And these guys were just hammering these out four, six days a week with like Metcon work in between the other days, thousand pull-ups a day. And I'm just, I remember those days. Crazy. Yeah. So I just, yeah. you know, I, that's you, man. Enjoy it now. Get back to me when you're 40. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of times those are the people who are determining the standards. He's in great shape. He does this and everything. Yeah, these point. are these are and, and they're not trying standards, to standards you mean by like, you know, you should be able to deadlift two times your body weight and that kind of thing or just or like even or even just like the intensity mm. of um of things. The yeah. intensity of things, the frequency of things or or their abilities in terms of like, oh my God, they're in a caloric deficit, but somehow they're still getting stronger and they're not losing any muscle mass and, and they're pressing this, but they look like a bodybuilder, but they're lifting like a power lifter all these things and it's just like yeah you're you're just at that sweet spot and we admire these people and we should but you should then look back at yourself and be like oh but that's that just can't be me we, we the people that we pick they're incredible but usually this the, the, the wrong person to be looking at and we do that quite often for sure We're social. Also, it's also an important point that training for men at different ages is different from yeah. one another but also that training for women is different yeah. because we just don't have the same levels of hormones. Exactly. Everyone has to approach it differently. And then if you think about these typing things and then also personality and the way you're dealing with your emotions, like That's it's it. just, it's never standard from person to person. No, and if, you, and if you're a personal trainer, these are the things that you should try to get better at. Especially nowadays, we can all just Google a great program. There's coaches that have been doing this for way longer than we have that will have more away experience that are giving these programs away for free. So if you can't apply that, all those other factors 
uh, then what are you really doing? You're just I don't know, counting reps and um, I don't know, you're lo looking cool because training is cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's cool to be a trainer now. I want to talk a little bit about Fit Squad's new facility. Oh, yes. Because you guys just opened a downtown yeah. gym location. That's yeah. awesome. Tell me a little bit about it. What has it been like having your own space as a company? It's it's a bit overwhelming to a certain point, you know. Like I, I think most trainers, they probably think about, oh, that's, that's where I want to end up with my own facility. How long have you guys been a company um, at this point? Gabe and I together probably about eight years with Jen, like bringing everybody together about five. Mm-hmm. Right. So before it was just Gabe and I doing man training and that trans and then we realized, oh, I, guess, I don't think that could be a company, though. <laughs> That's a class. That's us. A little bit too fun. exclusive for today's yeah, day you and know, age. But yeah. it, exactly. It's a little. Well, I still get a couple of messages every now and then. Every time I, I announce my classes for the week and I say like men's strength camp, girls will message me. Does that mean that I can't go to that? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it means. Men's strength camp means you can't go. Mm -hmm. Oh, why? What goes on there? It's just a bunch of guys talking crap. But the workout, yeah, you, of course you could do the workout. There's nothing special about the workout. It's just that environment. It's just a space. It's just yeah. an environment, a couple yeah. of guys, right? Um, so the facility has been great for, I guess, the main thing about the facility is being able to do the workouts in the way that you intend. When we we're just leasing studio space, a lot of it was always trying to work around your surroundings, to try to do a workout and compromising uh, because of the logistics of it. So for me, that's the biggest thing, being able to you know, think of the way I want to train people and I actually have a space to do it on. The biggest challenge with that, we kind of touched upon it a little bit before, is the conception of what training is nowadays, especially group training. So that is that finding, again, that line where you're staying true to who you are, but it's also this is what people's expectations are and you got, you got to get them in so then you can educate but what an opportunity also that yeah. you have now that you do have a space and you can run all of these classes exactly. that are a lot of strength-based classes yeah. and that do look different from a lot of the things that are on the market. What an opportunity to share that with more people Absolutely. that maybe financially don't have access to personal training. Exactly. So that is trying to bridge that, that, um, that gap a little bit. Like help people do things that go wrong quite a lot and kettlebell is one of those where it's just like it's just done so badly and I don't understand why trainers that have never taken a kettlebell course think that oh I'm a trainer I know how to do kettlebell stuff no you don't you have a better understanding than the other person because you technically know a little bit about movement but unless you've actually spent hours doing it you can't teach it yeah. Like that's annoying too, like trainers thinking they can do everything. It's Yeah, it's, that's actually such a good point too. And the other thing is taking a one-day kettlebell course and then yeah. turning around and thinking that you're a kettlebell expert without having practiced any of it on yourself or yeah. actually like dove into the print. Like there's just so much more behind these training yeah. techniques than yeah. like looking at someone, mimicking how to do it and being like, oh, now I can just teach the world this. Yeah, it's... it's it it's, happens so much It's It's training. very irresponsible, yeah. to be honest. I like strong first, not because necessarily they teach everything perfectly, but what they put their coaches through to be able to get that credit is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a high standard. It's a high standard. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that that person, I know some strong coaches, they themselves are great, but they can't teach it. People that can do things doesn't mean that they can actually teach things. I know some trainers that when you watch them train, it's just, uh, it's, it's beautiful. How do you go from that to that? Like, what happened? 
You, it's a different skill. It's than a different doing skill it set. So when you go to these um, other courses, well, they just kind of like they teach you, and then you know if you're good, you leave with a lot, and if you're not that good, then you left with very little. But that person is now certified. There, somebody said, "Yep, you can go and teach this to somebody," because now these are these are the guys that are male. Oh, let's do a thousand swings. Swing, 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 and you're just killing them mm-hmm. one swing at a time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. Well, it's yeah. hard to watch. We, we, we've, we've experienced the same gym, so I know you've seen things that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard through the grapevine oh, that your dancing is ghetto fabulous. That was a quote. What is that about, and is it true? If it's true, when do I get to see this? Well, Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm an outstanding freestyle dancer. Yeah, wow. like, uh, yeah. There's a few maybe like that in training. I'm like kind of like okay, I have a lot of things. Dancing 100%. I I am like top notch. Like top what notch. kind of dancing? Oh, anything. All of it. Do All you of break it. I dance? just I, Do you spin I used, on your head. Well, I used to. Now I probably just snap my my neck if I try. But I used <laughs> to be able to be able to do these things. Yeah, the music just speaks to me. I I feel it. I, I actually can't I tell if you're bullshitting me right now or not, but I will <laughs> believe you when I see it. So let's right. figure out how to make that happen. Okay, okay. You'll, okay. you'll, you'll see it. Probably, <laughs> we'll probably, I don't know. I have a birthday in January, so maybe then. Okay, yeah, cool. It takes a little bit of, uh, you know, a couple of drinks, oh, yeah. which then takes me a week to recover from. So. <laughs> Fair. All right. The only thing I have left is a quick fire round. Ooh. So these are quick yeah. questions, quick answers. We're going to learn we'll, a little we'll, bit more about you. We'll, okay. I'll do my best. First one is, do you have any hobbies? Uh, no. None? None. Okay. No, no, yeah, no hobbies. Nothing I can think that it would be considered a hobby. I think training used to be my hobby back when, and it's now like... Now it's much more. Uh, everything I do, yeah, I don't know. I enjoy naps. <laughs> if napping can be a hobby, I Great. guess. Great, it can. I'm all about it. We'll say that. Who do you look up to? Training-wise, I guess like... People that really appeal to me are Christian Thibodeau as a coach. I don't know, something about his delivery and his stuff, even if I don't read too much on it or don't know too much, it just makes sense to me. He doesn't have to, like, convince me. I don't have to, He could be completely wrong, but I don't know. To me, it just it makes sense. When it comes to food, what's your guilty pleasure? Mm, I don't feel guilty about food at all. I'm actually well, quite... Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm I should, actually quite I proud. should scrap the, the guilt, but yeah. what's, your, what's the, like, ultimate food for you? Ultimate food, number one, I would say... Chicken wings. Chicken wings. Chicken wings is one of those that, like, you can convince me any time to have it. Awesome. What do you put on them? Oh, nothing. Just uh, buffalo style. Yeah. It was the first thing that I was able to order at a restaurant in Applebee's in New Orleans in English. So I was, yeah. I was quite proud of it. My uncle's like, oh, you want me to help you? And I said, no, no, I got it. And I looked at the menu, and I'm looking around. I saw buffalo chicken. I knew chicken, and I knew buffalo because it's almost the same thing in Spanish. I'm like, buffalo and a chicken? I'm like, what is that about? order that and then I get them like oh this is just like chicken wings uh-huh. in Spanish I said alitas and I ate it and I thought it was the best thing that I ever put in my mouth awesome that and apples also apples uh apples was one of those things that you would see on tv you would see the cartoon like, like they were like ah, blow on it and like wipe it on their yeah. on their shirt and it would get all shiny and they would bite into it and the crunch and we didn't have those in Nicaragua but I would always watch them in cartoons and I was like what does that taste like so when I actually got to taste it I was like obsessed so my, my first few years in uh, New Orleans, it was uh, chicken wings, hot dogs, apple juice, and apples. Pretty much that's like the only thing that I was in at McDonald's wow, for the Happy right. Meals. I just couldn't believe that what I would see in the commercial, I could go to the store and just order it. And the toy was right there. To me, I'm like, that is unbelievable. 
The American dream, right? The American now. dream: chicken wings, <laughs> hot dogs, and apples. And apples. I was made. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Boom! Love it. Vanilla is like a vessel for other things. Mm-hmm. Vanilla is like waiting for chocolate to be on top of it. Exactly. Or I strawberry totally or anything. It's just yes. put things on me. Chocolate stands alone. I totally agree. Okay, my final question. I ask everyone this that comes on the podcast. Oh, okay. What makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning? I don't know. Just think what I what I can do that day. I like to keep things very simple for myself. Try to focus on like little things. I don't like to put a lot of pressure on myself. I like to avoid stress as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't deal well with stress. So l- little things, like if, if I have a workout that day or something, I'm like, oh, like, I, I want to like make sure that it feels like this. If I'm not training, then something as simple as like, oh, I need to make sure like my food is good or, or that I do something productive towards work. Honestly, I like to keep things very small and reasonable. Like I said, so I have a win, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I'm going to eat well. And then I eat well. I'm like, oh. I did exactly what I said I was going to do uh, this morning. And some days you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, it's just going to suck today. And it does, and that's fine. <laughs> no, I mean, like, people are, like, not okay with having a sucky day, and they put a lot of pressure on themselves that every day has to be the best day ever. And I think it's okay. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, today you had a sucky day. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, try to make it less sucky or try to, like, learn from the day before. But uh, it's okay to, to suck every now and then. That's a good point. Yeah. Awesome. That's all I have for you. Oh, but before you, you go, yeah. I would love to know if people are interested in connecting with you yes. or checking out Fit Squad or a Absolutely. class or something. How do they go about doing that? Um, Fit Squad underscore underscore training will be the uh, IG handle. For me, it's Aldo underscore Fit Squad. And then the website, fitsquad.ca classes and uh and free workshops that we offer and um all the different coaches that we uh that we train with and everything everything will be there awesome a lack of information is not the issue nowadays yeah (laughs) true that (laughs) all right thanks aldo thank you Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? Be on the lookout for our next episode coming out next Monday. Remember, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or through the podcast website, howdoyoufeelpodcast.com. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please rate, subscribe, and review. Those reviews go a long way. I really appreciate all of them. I would also love if you could share this podcast with one friend that you think would enjoy it and would benefit from the things that we share on here. All right, guys, I think that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.